Come on, dreams fulfilled, increase of influence, books written and published and read and distributed. The Lord's got uh, many words inside of them that he's releasing and going to release even more. And uh, how many of you believe in them? Lift your hand up if you believe in them. Let's let them see. Come on, we believe in them. We love them. Honored, honored to work with them. Well, hey, tis the season for unto us. For unto us. So good. Jesus, we love you. We welcome you this morning. We've enjoyed your presence. We've enjoyed glorifying you and singing praises and songs to you. You are worthy of every song. You are worthy of every praise. We're here to honor you this morning. We're here to see the very significance of what you've done for us. We welcome your word right now to just be established in our hearts, that you would write your love on our hearts, that there would be a great amount of revelation upon us to see that you are continually moving, you are continually advancing. Everybody said amen. Amen. There's baby Jesus. Welcome, baby Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. So good. Well, hey, um, this has been a fun year with Zayden because last year he was a baby um, and didn't really do much. He was just there, you know, just there. You hold him and woo. But this year he like roams around and uh, he likes to experiment with things. He likes to pull and grab and do all kinds of things with anything that's around. And uh, it's been fun to get the Christmas tree, and he's all excited. He's like, ooh, oh. He, do, he does this, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we put the lights on there, and, and I like to count down. I'm like, one, two, and he's like, three. And the light turns on, and he's like, yeah. And I guess we created a habit, not even realizing it. Once the lights turn on in the tree, we have a little Bluetooth speaker right behind the tree. And when we've, like, played Christmas music or whatever else that is really happy and cheery. And he loves dancing to it. And he likes shaking his waist, right? And, uh, but right when we turn the lights on now, he gets all excited. And then he points, he points at the speaker. And this means more, right? He's like, more, 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 more. And so it's as if once the light comes on, then he's like, okay, now I want to celebrate. I want some music. And so he's got this expectation, and it's super cute, super adorable. And uh, we probably don't video record it because we're also dancing with him, and you don't want to see that. And so, but it's, it's a blast. And thinking about that, I was thinking about how the Lord, the Lord expects, the Lord has this anticipation when the light of the world has come and shined on the earth, there, is, there should be this natural inclination, expectation of praise and celebration, right? The light's on, now what's next? And so it would be weird for me to acknowledge and recognize the light of the world has come. The light of the world is here. Now, please get me out of here. You know, the light of the world has come. The light of the world is here. Where is my celebration? And me celebrating something isn't just a, a one-time clap, but it's also applying it to my life. Right? Faith in Jesus, you know, without works is dead. Activation of faith, when I do something, that actually is worship. That actually is celebration. And so we're here to propose to you, I'm here to propose to you that uh, perhaps uh, baby Jesus didn't just come and get born so he can eventually then come back and get us out of here. Perhaps something else. Perhaps something else. Baby Jesus, a sign of hope. Not just to come a second time to get us out of here, but perhaps a sign of hope that his kingdom is increasing, it's advancing, and we are a part of it. Let's, 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 uh, let's check out Isaiah here. Isaiah 9, 6 we're going to focus on two verses. And so we just did a whole book, and now we figured we'd give you a break and just do two verses. 
okay? For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Hmm. A child born to us. What's the first thing we notice here? A child born to us, a son given to us. Who is the child born to? Another translation says, King James, unto us. The message is born for you. So the baby Jesus, the child, was born for me, for you, for humanity. This very birth happened for humanity. This child is for you. And then the son is given to us. We've heard John 3.16. So loved the world that he gave his only son. Usually children are presented to parents at birth to the parents. Here you go. Here's your child. Now just imagine parents, once your child is born, you give them to somebody else and be like, hey, we did this all for you. Right? Especially mamas, you'd be like, no, I did not do that for anybody else. Okay? I ain't going through any pain or labor for somebody else that I don't know. But yet all this was done, right, when Jesus was born, presented to humanity. The father says, here you go. We went through all of this, here you go. Wow. A child was given, was born to us and for us. Baby Jesus is for humanity. Is for humanity. Everybody say he's for me. Wow. Now that word given in the Hebrew, we read it in English as Nathan. And that means given to us. Jesus was given to us. He also When you look into the word, there's a lot of different usage. He was given to us. It also means he defeated things for us. It also means he conquered things for us. It also means he he rose for us. It also means he submitted all other principalities below himself for us. It also means that he positioned us. It also means that he placed us. It also means that he presents us. All throughout scripture, what Jesus has done for us is in that word given. When Jesus was given to you, it also shows what Jesus is doing for you and what he has done for you. He's presented you. It means Jesus has married us. It means he roars loudly. It means he supplies us. It means he has traded us. What did he trade us? He traded what you have to get what he has, and he's getting what you got. It means he's weeped for us. It means he wholly gives himself to us. We get the fullness without measure. We get all of Jesus. We get all of him. He's laid nothing back, all of it. He's been given, nothing held back. Every single part, every characteristic about Jesus is mine. It's been given to me. The Father has given me his son. Wow, that's good. It's no longer just a cute little Christmas thing, man. This is a little life-changing right here. You know, these two verses are some of the most significant verses of Scripture out there because this this helps shape and show us. It's, it's extremely clear. It shows us who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's going to do, and what we get to be a part of. So what do we got? The Son was given to us so that with the Father we can have access. The Father gave the Son, say, here, have my Son. Why? So that I can have you and you can have me. The Son is the bridge. My Son is the bridge. My Son's going through pain for you because I want you. And he wants you too. The Father has given the Son so that we can have the Father. 
The Father has made a way, right, to have access in relationship with the Father. Everybody say, we have access. And then we go on in this verse, and what do we see? Government is on his shoulders. Hmm. The government. It says, rests upon his shoulders. Interesting. Well, in the government, we got a domain. We have a rule. We have authority. The word government. So if the dominion, the rule, the authority rests on the shoulders of Jesus. Let's go back in time for a little bit. Adam and Eve, given dominion, given reign, given rule, given authority to subdue the earth. God has placed them to cultivate and take and tend care of the earth. Out of their disobedience, God removed them and displaced them because he is holy and perfect. And with that, because they submitted not to the word of God who has authority, they submitted to the word of Satan who then was able to rob the very key they were given to have dominion over the earth. And so God immediately when that happens, he looks at the enemy and says, it's going to be short. It's going to be temporary. Right? And so he knew, God already knew what he's going to do. He wanted to give the keys of dominion and rule back to humanity. When we look into this resting on shoulders within the context of this day, we find that a lot, the, the keeper of the king's household or the keeper of the king's chambers or, 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 or uh, the intimate places of where all his riches are and nobody else has access to, the one who has authority, shares authority, who carries a burden and weight with the king, is usually, is usually given a key, a literal key, resting on the shoulder. Well, when you have a key resting on the shoulder, you kind of think of a necklace, right? And so we have the keys, the weight, the burden of rule, dominion, and authority with the father is given to a baby, right? It's given to Jesus. And so Jesus, right when Jesus comes, something is shifting. I bet you right when Jesus entered the earth, Satan clenched that key. He says, oh no. I thought, I won. See, Satan, what's interesting is Satan couldn't touch baby Jesus. Right when King Herod told the wise men, report to me when you find him. And then they had a dream and led by the Holy Spirit, they didn't. And so then King Herod is furious, and so he sends a charge and a decree to massacre and kill the baby boys in the region. But what is the one he couldn't touch? You see, Satan, who had rule and dominion, could not even kill a baby boy. Sure, he uh, deceived mankind as an adult, but he could not deceive, he could not get to the Son of God, he could not kill Jesus, the baby. Led by the Holy Spirit, right? Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt. The enemy tried. See, as Jesus entered the earth, Satan unleashed hell, and yet hell could not even touch the baby. And just imagine how much more scared hell and the enemy was as he was getting older. As people were astonished by his revelation. And then you fast forward, you think about when he was down in hell. Just imagine how Satan was just shaking in his boots. Given the key back, right? Baby Jesus, Satan couldn't even touch the baby. Wow. MC Hammer got that revelation from Jesus. So good. You know, Isaiah twenty two twenty two. it talks about this prophecy that 
The key of David will be given to him, talking about Jesus. So this key of authority, rule, and dominion is given to baby Jesus. Wow. Baby Jesus. Jesus has authority and dominion over the earth. Here's the thing. The Bible says the last enemy was death. So if the last enemy is the last enemy, who else is there to fight, right? Who else is there to defeat? And so if Jesus defeated hell, he conquered the grave. He took back the keys for humanity. Why would he then ascend to heaven and sit on the throne? Who sits on the throne? One who's accomplished a good work. One who's won a battle. One who now has dominion and authority. So Jesus is sitting on the throne with the Father because he has dominion and authority. And now he's released it upon us saying, let's get back to work. It was a little hiccup. Let's get back to work. Thank you, Jesus. What do we got next? Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Hmm. We're talking about fame, glory, something you're known for. Wonderful, astonishing. Doing the impossible. Counselor, one who gives us, who devises counsel, who gives us plans, who strategizes with us. We get to strategize with Jesus. My prayer time is not just reciting scriptures, but then also letting them enter my heart and then declaring those scriptures. So I can read a scripture and then I can also declare a scripture, right? And so my prayer time isn't just, God, please, my flat tire keeps getting flat. I need, I need some supernatural rubber. <laughs> just patch it up, Lord, right? I mean, yeah, I can command that tire to do that. But then I can also declare that I have the ability to increase wealth. I can declare that jobs would be found, right? Or that, that finances would be increased, whatever it may be. But prayers, I get to start taking authority. And so since he's my wonderful counselor, how wonderful is it that my counselor is actually a winner, not a loser, right? And so because Satan is like, what is the opposite? Like a terrible counselor, right? The minute, the minute I listen, open my ears to the enemy, he's like, yeah, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, you're right, I can't. Good advice. I'll just stick back. No, yeah, you, you can't really get involved in some sort of ministry, you know, in the church, and people keep asking you, you know, hey, I really, I really think it'd be good for you. And, you know, no, because you're still dealing with that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I just won't get involved then, yeah. I won't get involved until I'm actually perfect. Good idea. Okay. Yeah, so I won't rely on Jesus. I'll just rely on what you're saying and what I'll do. Okay, let's do that, right? That's horrible counsel. But the counsel of Jesus says, hey, I think it's time for you to step up a little bit. Well, but I've done this. Yeah, but I've done this. Right? Well, but, I mean, I'm not perfect, you know, and like, well, here's the thing. I make you perfect. You may not be living perfect right now, but I've made you perfect. And since I've made you perfect, maybe you start doing things that put pressure on you to live the way I've made you. It's not bad to have pressure, right? Mm. Under pressure. So good. You see, Jesus... The counselor, we look at his life. Usually a counselor, you want to live the way they live. And so how did he live? He was led by the Holy Spirit. He listened to the Father and he obeyed the Father. It's a good track record. I think those are two important things I should do. Wonderful counselor. So what does this mean? Jesus guides us and continually reveals more revelation to us. Jesus loves to expand our minds. He loves 
to expand our thinking. This is why we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. This is why he, we're told, set your mind on things above because I continually get to capture and catch the way he's thinking. This is why he says, I've been seated in heavenly places with him. So if I'm seated in heavenly places with him, but I'm physically here, what? How does that work? And yet you're saying, set my mind on things above. It's like, what's going on? Like my brain's up there, and so I'm like dead down here. How does this work? Okay, but when I, when I get in the word and I'm reading the word, I'm setting my mind on things above. I'm capturing it. I'm catching it. When I get in my knees and I get in prayer, I'm capturing it. I'm catching it. I'm setting my mind on things above. It's hard to set my mind on things above if I'm not taking the time to think about the things that are from above, right? And even just cute little quotes from people who think about things from above on Facebook still will not sustain me. I still need to get the revelation directly from the Lord. Baby Jesus came to renew relationship with the Father. But if that's what he did and I'm not having a relationship with the Father, I'm missing something. And once I have the relationship with the Father and I'm engaging, then I'll recognize there's something about a key. There's something about rule and dominion that Jesus has and that he wants to share. See, relationship with the Father will then unlock access for you to then share rule and dominion. You see, dads don't really want to trust, whether they say it or not, dads don't really want to trust their kids with their things if they haven't proven themselves. Right? If you, if you keep getting your tricycle in an accident when you're going one mile per hour, I'm not going to let you drive my Hummer. Right? There is something about proving children proving themselves to their parents to show growth and maturity and trust. That's not mean. It's wisdom. He's a wonderful counselor. How dare he require wisdom? But he guides us. This is why he sent the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave and say, peace out. I'll be right back. Just hang on. Well, where are you going? Why? Why 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 don't you just take us then? Why don't you just take everybody then if he's going to make us wait? Right when he ascended. His rule and dominion is increasing. We get to be a part. He continually reveals more revelation to us. Thank you, God. We got mighty God. Mighty God. That word mighty means strong man. Brave. Warrior. Valiant warrior. Victorer. So God is my warrior. God is my victorer. God is the one who fights for me. God is the one who fights your battles. Wow. Well, if he fights my battles, then why do I need to do anything? Why do I need to go to church if it's already won? Right? I don't need to read no Bible if it's already been won. I can just sin and do whatever if it's already been won. Okay? Well, you're destroying yourself while the kingdom of God is advancing. Now, if you want to taste victory and be a part of it, then you obey. You know, one thing I've been encouraged with is, I remember the other week I was sitting in Pastor Dwayne's office just bawling my eyes out out of brokenness, recognizing that I've allowed seeds of discouragement and whispers of depressive thoughts off and on to enter my mind out of comparison of where they are, where they are, and where I am. What they're doing and what I'm doing. Right? And I find myself allowing this poison of comparison affect the way I operate, the way I think, 
And then I found myself at times in, in prayer in the morning, speechless, because I'm so discouraged. Like, why can't I say a word? I feel so down. Well, whose counsel have I been listening to? Whose counsel have I let affect me? Right? So good. Mighty God, the one who's strong for me. The one who's strong for me. It's important for me to remain steadfast, right? That's why Paul always says, remain steadfast. Remain constant. Constantly pray. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. The one who strengthens us is the strong man. And since I rely on the strong man and I have him within me, I can do all things. But I will forget that if I'm not spending time with the strong man who strengthens me. Who can do all things through Christ who strengthens them? The one who spends time with you. It's hard to be strengthened if you're not around the one who's strengthening you. You know, it's like, it's like you pay somebody, uh, you, got, you got your uh, personal assistant at the gym, like, yeah, okay, 10 times a year, <laughs> we're going to do this. Here's $20 million, you and me, let's go, right? And then you don't show up. You're like, yeah, but I got a personal assistant, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, okay. You're like, yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's cool you got this person. That like makes you strong, but you're not spending time with him. So it's not nothing showing, right? So if I, as a believer, am not spending time with the strong man who strengthens me, and so I'm, I'm looking weak, but I'm like, God is strong, people! <laughs> right? But they're like, I mean, I am skinny, but you know, they're like, you're small, dude. <laughs> so what have you done in your life to show that God is strong? Because I, I don't see you doing nothing. I just see you sitting around doing nothing, Chris. So how is your God strong if you're not even showing any strong things that you've done because you rely on him? So you're saying you got faith, but I don't see anything. Right? Wow. Strong God, mighty God. So when I rely on him, that means I spend time with him. That's why I'm a part of a church. It strengthens me. It's not because the people are so amazing and perfect. We all know that's not true because I'm here. Right? But what we do know is God is perfect. And for some reason, he wants to use imperfect people to strengthen each other. So he's mighty and mysterious. But he's mighty. Mighty God. You're so mighty. Everybody say mighty God. So this is what we have. Jesus is the champion of humanity. The champion. The war is over. And since the war is over... The champion is declared. We got this whole celebration. The champion is here. He's done his thing. And he's allowed us, invited us to be part of what he's doing. You know, Pastor Dwayne helped me understand it this way. A lot of horrible things are happening in the world. We've got people dying. We've got shootings happening. We've got people hating each other based on races or economic differences or countries, whatever. So... How is Jesus winning when people are dying and hurting each other? Try to reconcile that. Satan had rule and dominion, and he lost it. Just like you have a current president who has his administration or her administration, and they are now have their strategy that they want to implement to run their dominion, their, their kingdom, their country. But previously, you had another person, a different leader before them, 
at a different time. And they were the ones running and ruling and had dominion over the country. Now, they both have different agendas. Don't read into this. They both have different agendas. They both have different ways of doing things. Now, the present one has people from the former administration. And so it takes time to enforce the current administration because he needs to remove ones from the other administration that contradict what he wants to do. And so we see effects of hell and Satan's dominion on the earth because he used to have dominion and authority. But Jesus has dominion and authority. The one who couldn't touch baby Jesus. Jesus has dominion and rule. We see effects. That's why we are removing and plucking things of the enemy out. Wow. So good. The secret place of Pastor Dwayne. Right there. Eternal Father. Wow. Why would Jesus, the promised Messiah, all of a sudden be correlated with an eternal father? Well, you see me, you see who? He says the father. He perfectly represents the father. Jesus is all about the father. Jesus being here is about the father. Remember, it's about us getting a relationship with Jesus and then getting a relationship with the father. Jesus even goes so far and says, call me your brother. What? Because you get the same place and position as I do. We are hidden in him. So when the father sees us, he sees Jesus because we're in Jesus. That's why we're called a child. We're called the child of God. A son and daughter of God because of Jesus. Eternal. The father never stops fathering. He's never not a father. And this is the father who never leaves. Who never forsakes. This is the father who loves with compassion and is gentle. I think I'd have to say God is a good father. Not because he gave up his son. But because he wanted me. If God wanted me so bad that he'd give up one son to have everybody else, I think that's a good father. A good father who will give up his only son to get more sons. That's the heart of a father. Father wants more. He wants more children. And he gets you and Jesus. Everybody say God the Father. So Jesus represents the Father and we will always be his children. Wow. We will always have a father. I love that he's the father to the fatherless. I love that he's the father to nations. He's the father to all. A good counselor is a father. Fathers give good counsel and wisdom. Jesus had good advice and people listened to him because he listened to the father. He said, I only do what the father tells me to do. So he was counseled by the father. And so then he counsels others. And so this is where us as fathers and mothers get to counsel others because we're counseled by the father, directly counseled by the father. So we give to give the father's counsel to other children. Because we've been counseled by the Father. Follow? Prince of Peace. Oh, this one's good. Come on, Chris. There's chaos happening, man. You're talking about peace, but look at all this. Peace was, you know, back in the 70s. It's gone now. Where's the peace? Where's the peace? Okay, so we got Prince, somebody who's of rule, of authority, has a place, has a position, an enforcer. Princes would go out and do battles for the king. And then peace, that word is shalom. Completeness. Wholeness. Wow. Quiet. That's peace. Tranquility. Bliss. 
So the one who has rule and authority and dominion over the earth does it through tranquility, through peace. We're about to, we're, we're, it's about to get crazy here. Buckle up. Here we go. Jesus rules with what? He rules with peace. Everything he does is with peace. This is for peace. Let's go to, we, we just did one verse. Let's do another one. Why not? We got time. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Mm. Okay. No end to his government. So if Jesus won and established his authority on the earth and defeated the enemy, perhaps he's here to stay. Perhaps his kingdom then has no end if that's what the Bible says. And if the Bible says his kingdom has no end, I don't think he's going to take a break and give authority back up. I mean, I'm just reading the Bible, so get mad at the Bible, get mad at Jesus, whatever it is. Don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. No end to his government. His rule, his authority, his dominion, there's no end. Okay. The reign of Jesus will never stop. If there's no end to his government, who we're talking about Jesus, that means his reign will never stop. Okay. It says no end to peace. He's the prince of peace. No end to his government or of peace. And if he's one who rules with peace, this is interesting. I read an article from 2015 of a professor from Canada who studied human research and historical uh, human research, whatever you call it. And then there's another gentleman from Harvard who was a director of human services and also did research and statistics on humanity. And they wrote an article on the effects of war versus peace from the history of humanity to now. And they looked at homicides. They looked at domestic disturbance and violence. They looked at child abuse. They looked at wars they looked at massacres and mass shootings and, and killings from history. They took all those things. And every chart, out of taking the numbers statistically, there was a decline from then to now. Now, this doesn't mean things, bad things aren't happening. But researchers are discovering there's a decline. So if his kingdom is increasing, that means peace is increasing. Wow. Isn't that good? Let's wrap our minds around that. Peace is increasing. It's not about what I feel or what I see. Because those publishers of the article, they even said, obviously the media is saying something different. But also if a media is not based upon the good news, of course, there'll be bad news, right? But if we are bringers of good news, we will recognize good news and we will highlight good news. Good news. Peace is increasing. His kingdom is increasing. Whoa. Okay. Peace will always be present. Peace is increasing. Just say it. Say peace is increasing. So Jesus has one and it will continually be more noticeable. That's what we've gathered. Jesus has won, and we will notice it more and more. His victory will be recognizable more and more to all of humanity, to all of the earth. 
It says that he establishes and upholds his kingdom with justice and righteousness. That means something has been established. It has been remained. It's here to stay. And it's being upheld. So whatever is here to be, stay, his kingdom is also going to be enforced. Now, enforce isn't just a word to make people because we have free will. And he's a passionate, loving father. But it means he's enforcing it on the enemy. In the works of the enemy, no. No, no. Like we tell Zayden next, when we got that fire heater, no, no, hot. No touch. Right? So Jesus is walking around, no, no, Satan, no touch. No touch, hot. You're going to burn. <laughs> right? So that's what we get to say. No, no, Satan, little demons, no touch. No touch. His kingdom is here and it will remain. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Mm. Zeal of the Lord of hosts. Zeal, passion. God is compassionate about humanity. He's so compassionate about people. Why would he do this? And the unlikeliest of places where animals eat from this. But yet he puts the son of God here. What an embarrassing thing even to the enemy. I will do the weirdest thing to embarrass you just to get this back. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Who's going to accomplish this? God. The one who is zealous and passionate for humanity. Wow. Mm. Let's all stand. You see, God's passion for humanity motivates his plan. God is motivated and he's moved by love and relationship for you and even those who persecute him. That's why Jesus hung on the cross and says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But I'm sure he was also thinking, God knows what he's doing and they will be forgiven. And I want them. Then Jesus takes this. You see, we're marked by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us sons and daughters of God. Jesus takes the key the rule, the dominion, the reign that rests on his shoulders. And he places it on yours. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving you hanging. I'm the only one that's going to hang, right? But I'm giving you the very thing you were created to have. Rule, dominion, authority over the earth. That is why baby Jesus, my son, came like this. So that we can have this and you can see that this is all yours with me. If I don't catch this, how is there hope for the next generation? How can I sit back there like Diane Littlefield and Shannon Buckingham with the Nacho Kids back there teaching the kids hope if I'm not catching this how can I be back there say kids Jesus loves you but it's going to be hard but he'll come back and save you after you have a horrible time right no kids Jesus won no matter what you see 
he's going to win more and more. And you get to win with him. Zayden, come here. Come here. Come here. Can I give you this? You see, baby Jesus is right there. And baby Jesus got this. Yeah, you want this? Say hi. You see, baby Jesus won this for you. And he got this for you. I know you want the mic, but I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys to take rule and dominion and authority over the earth. I'm not going to tell you things are going to get worse because that means Jesus didn't win. I'm going to tell you things are going to get better because the Bible says his kingdom increases and peace increases. So you know what that means? Your future actually matters. That means whatever job, whatever school, whatever thing you do, family you have matters. You can go to mama. Can you give the next generation a hand? For unto us a child, a son, a king, a counselor, a mighty God, a prince of peace, a victorious warrior, a present ruler, and a passionate God. That's what's been given to you. This is what's been given to humanity. We don't point at people in the world and say, Jesus judges you. We say he's been given to you. For unto you, Jesus has come for you, for all of humanity. Wow. For unto us. Father, we acknowledge King Jesus who has all dominion and all authority over the earth. You came like this so that we can live like this with you. This is the gospel. This is Christmas. Christmas is remembering victory. That's why Christmas and Easter go hand in hand. It's all one story. The enemy couldn't touch him. When he was older, he took him up on a hill and says, hey, I'll give you all of this. And Jesus thinking in his mind, don't you know I'm going to take it from you? You don't need to give it, man. I'm going to get down in hell where you are and take it from you. But of course, he elaborates with the nice verses. Man does not live on bread alone, but inside he's thinking this guy is driving me nuts. Wow. So Jesus took back what the enemy stole. And he's giving it to you. And so when you think of baby Jesus, when you think of Christmas, I want you to think of the victory you have in Jesus. Well, I'm struggling. I'm still in a cycle of sin. Okay, that doesn't cancel what has been done. You're tasting and experiencing the administration of hell trying to interrupt you. How many of you know it takes work to keep peace at home? 
Anybody married? Anybody married? And you're opinionated, and, and they are also? You both got opinions? You both got wills? You both got mouths? It takes work to maintain peace. One of my heart's cries is that I would establish my home. It's not there. I would establish my home as a place of peace. And I find the enemy constantly wants to war to bring chaos in my home. So how much more does Father God, who created the earth to be a dwelling place with him, wants his home to be a place of peace? And the enemy is interrupting. But soon he will be silenced and dismissed fully. Thank you, God. Let's lift our hands in the air. Come on, I just release victory realized right now on your life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's good because you have victory in him because he's victorious. You are free from every single thing you find yourself in. Maybe you've allowed the enemy to speak lies, to discourage and depress you, and to suppress you. But be reminded right now, this morning, Jesus, the High King, is in charge. And you get to rule and reign. Of course the enemy is freaking out when you start realizing what you have. The enemy is overjoyed if somebody will at least believe him. Because he has no authority, he's fighting to get attention. But one day will come where every knee will bow and every nation will bow to the King Jesus who has all authority and dominion. So right now, your home, your workplace, your family, you get to enforce heaven in that place. You don't stop. You don't give up what is hard. The minute Brianna and I have contention or fight, does that mean we just get divorced because it's hard? No? Does that mean the minutes I'm not getting that breakthrough promotion that I'm wanting, I just don't work and sit around? The minute I'm not getting financial breakthrough, I just give up? I feel like I have this ministry, this, the Lord is calling me into an area of ministry, but nothing's happening. I'm not getting recognized. I'm not getting noticed. Forget it. No. You have victory in Jesus. You have victory in Jesus. Just right now for a minute before we dismiss, I just want you to start speaking victory over a specific area. If you don't know what to say, just say, I release victory over my home. I release victory over my children. Go ahead out loud right now. It's going to be short. I release victory over my marriage. I release victory over my workplace. I release victory on the nation of America. I release victory. The victory of Jesus be recognized. The victory of Jesus be noticed. The victory of Jesus be seen right now. Have these areas gone. You've won it all, you've won it all, you've won it all, you've won it all. Yes, God. All right. Let's sing sing some sort of victory song together.
before we go here. Take us away, Zach. Come on, let's lift our hands. We have victory. Does that not get you excited? Does that not get you joyful?